0: Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour half hour podcast. This is episode 190. John and Wendy talk to Kyle Cup. I'm your host, John.
1: And I'm Wendy. How are you, John?
0: Wendy, I am well. Good. Well into October. Very wow. excited that this episode <laughs> is being sponsored by our friends over at Humoriso and we appreciate yeah. them being part of our sponsor family.
1: Yeah. Love it. I love always getting the chance to work with John and his team and, you know, getting some of that inside scoop um, about the Humoriso team growing. So excited about that. Not sure when he's making all the announcements, so we won't drop anything. But uh, um, I was excited to talk with him and and learn a little bit more about where Humoriso is going. So hopefully y'all will check him out and learn a little bit more about them.
0: Absolutely. And as we mentioned, Humoriso is a a repeat sponsor for us. We always appreciate that. Winnie, we wanted to take a minute just kind of at the open because we know a lot of people listening. Sometimes people are asking about sponsor opportunities. We yeah. wanted to let everybody know that we've been incredibly fortunate to partner with some just tremendous folks over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And we actually have announcements for November, December, <laughs> and <in> January, <laughs> which is really great. However, we do want to let folks know that we do have some spots open yes. for 2022.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you are interested Send us a note, Yeah. shoot us an email, however you want to get in touch. We do have different things that we do work with sponsors on. And if you have other things you want to do, maybe produce content for you or, hey, those international folks, (laughs) we want to come to your conference. We'd love to talk about that as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think there's so many great things that we can do in 22. You know, the world's changed a little bit, but uh, we're still here, grooving and Love working with the different sponsors and love to see new folks come through, too, because it just opens our eyes to who else is out there um, and makes the community a little bit better. And that's that's why we're here. We're just we're just here to build a community. And so whoever we can introduce, I'm happy to do that.
0: If you are interested in potentially partnering with us on something, Mm -hmm. you said send us a note.
1: Yep. And we stuff? will
0: uh, we will start that conversation. Yeah. And, and it, but we will say this: if you're only trying to sell something and don't want to be part of what we do, not yeah. interested. Exactly. We've had several that have approached. In fact, one I'll never forget. Basically, it was, "Hey, we'll give a bunch of people trial trial deals on our platform." Yeah, man, that's not uh-huh. really. Didn't understand, no. didn't really find. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think they are working with anybody that we know. And, and again, that's how it works. That's fine. But yeah. We really are interested in the partnerships and relationships in the long term. And if that's where you are interested in, in working with our community in that way, we'd yeah. love to talk.
1: Yes. Reach out.
0: Wendy, I, I'm really excited about tonight's guest. I haven't talked or seen Kyle, in gosh, it was Vegas, Sherm wow. 19, I'm embarrassed to say. Other um, than on Twitter, feels yeah. like we've known him forever. I mm-hmm. think we go back to the next chat days. I'm, we might have to talk I a little bit so. about that, because it seems like we've been around for a long time. Oh, but well. it's great to have him here. Let's Let's make the introduction and get started.
1: Yes. So excited to welcome Kyle to the show. He is a writer and editor at Mineral, your one-stop HR and compliance resource for small businesses. You can also find his writings on USA Today, The Daily Beast, and Ordinary Times. He and his family live in Oregon. Well, Kyle, welcome to the show. So excited. We finally got you on. First question, as always, what is in your glass?
2: Well thank you. I'm glad to be here. And in my glass is Romulan Ale. But I will ask you not to tell Starfleet HR because I don't want to start a galactic <laughs> incident.
1: <laughs> Romulan Ale.
2: I'm I'm only I'm only kidding, of course. I have uh, I have coffee, which might okay. not be the wisest choice for, you know, this late in the day, but it is it's not a compliance violation, so that's the important thing.
1: I, I was really excited about the Romulan ale
0: there. Yeah, I was gonna say, Kyle, is that legit? Dude does somebody I, somebody <laughs> has to make Something like that, right? There's got to be a brewery out there making that. I, making that. I, there's, yeah, I would think. I'm sure there's the recipe online too. I haven't looked it up. All right, all right, listeners, that's your task this week. There you go. Help us yeah. figure out who is making some version of Romulan ale, either illegally or legally or anywhere in between. <laughs> Let us know. Tweet us. Uh, tweet Kyle. Let us know that Romulan ale go. exists. Kyle, it's really interesting. You went from being a teacher to a writer. And I believe you're our first guest that's focused on writing about HR. Talk to us a little about that journey, how you got where you are now.
2: Yeah, sure. That, you know, I think that particular journey really begins in a classroom when I, and and not the classroom I was teaching, but a classroom where I was a student. I was, it was my sophomore in high school, sophomore year in high school, uh, English class. And my teacher was uh, Ms. Morlock. And isn't that a great name for an English teacher, Morlock? That
1: is a great name.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And she had assigned some, like, short story. I don't remember what it was. And had asked the class to kind of come up with an alternative ending. And you could write, like, maybe a 200-word ending to that. But I, I didn't do that. I didn't write a 200 word. I mean, I wrote closer to a 2,000 word. <laughs> and I had not <laughs> done something like this before. And my teacher was so impressed that she read what I wrote in front of the whole class, oh, even wow. though it was very long and it took a while. And she didn't do that with any of the others. And and I won't lie. I mean, I, I liked the attention and I was very <laughs> pleased with myself. And, and it kind of dawned on me then that, you know, this may be an area where I like, could be like competitive because I was I was interested in some other things art and and some of things in high school but like I hadn't found an area where I felt like I could go and be competitive and and really you know get where I felt comfortable like oh yeah I could go get a job in that but here was something like oh maybe I could actually be a writer so you know fast forward I, I became an English major and so I did that and then my senior year of being an English major I. Still didn't know really what exactly I wanted to do with that. <laughs> but I had taken some uh, philosophy classes as electives and uh, really liked it and thought, why not get a master's in philosophy? So I did that. In the end, it turned out to be, turned out to be good because I, I met a uh, principal at a school, private school in Texas uh, at a career fair after uh either around it's kind of around graduation time and he really liked the fact that i had this kind of dual background in, in writing literature and then also philosophy so i uh, i went moved from ohio down to san antonio texas i taught there for three years uh and and i liked the work i think i was a pretty good teacher i think the students like me i may or may not have pretended to be a velociraptor in the classroom on occasion <laughs> my students will have to <laughs> confirm or deny that uh but in the end, uh, that after, after three years, I was kind of like, no, I want to I kind of move on. And, and we also wanted to kind of get closer to family. So we moved up to the Dallas area. Fast forward to 2009. This was kind of a monumental year for me and for us. Uh, first, it was when I started doing like actual freelance writing and editing and ghostwriting. So I really started doing some professional writing work. But it was also the year that we lost our newborn daughter, Vivian. Uh, she had a fatal birth defect. Uh, we knew about it ahead of time. We had some months to prepare like we didn 't know if she would live till term or not. She did. We had about fifteen hours uh, with her and this, as you can imagine, just crushed me and I think, as part of like the healing process and the grieving process, I ended up doing like a lot of writing about it, not really professional writing but writing like on on my blog and and some blogs I contributed to. And I, I wrote about like how her life and death affected me, affected my faith, affected my outlook, and some of those posts ended up getting noticed by uh, a publisher out of Chicago, Loyola Press. They reached out to me, asked me if I was be really interested in turning some of that writing into a book, and I was like, yeah. And they worked with me to to put that out. That was published in 2013, and then in 2014, I decided I kind of wanted to pursue full time writing and started looking for. For work, and my wife showed me this job ad for what was then HR link then became Mammoth, and then merged with Think HR and is now Mineral. Uh, but back then was HR link They were looking for like a writer/editor to to help write guides and Q and As and articles and things uh, around HR for their clients. And I was looking at the job description of like you know I don't have a a, a background in HR, but with my my philosophy background and and doing some other things. I just, I read that. I was like, yeah, I could, I could do that. I'd have to learn, but I could do that. So I applied and we ended up moving across country, cross country again uh, to Portland, Oregon, where neither of us had been. I've been there since. Uh, And as I said, you know, I didn't have an HR background when I started, but I spent a lot of time on, you know, our company's uh, platform, which, you know, is designed for our clients to help them like understand their HR compliance obligations and, answer questions that they have. But for me, it was like this great crash course in in all things HR. And I listened to our uh, experts on the phone as they were talking with people, which really helped me just get a a good understanding of our clients' pain points and what small businesses are are dealing with in in the HR world. And I decided to get my certification, did that. And um, it wasn't too long that I started, you know, getting ideas and forming opinions about uh, what HR is and what it can be. And now I'm here.
1: Wow, that is that is quite the journey, Kyle. That is, um, uh, um, amazing. And I, I appreciate you sharing that lighten it up a little bit. Uh, so you write about HR stuff. Um, I have to say one of my favorite articles that you've written, um, you wrote about Darth Vader getting sent to HR. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that we know you'd like to have fun with your writing as well, but what are some of your favorite topics to write about?
2: Yeah, um, you know, so many of uh, a lot of my colleagues are very focused on like the compliance angle, but I I get uh, to write more about like some of the strategic and business aspects, and I I really love that. I mean, I'm really fascinated by the employment relationship, like as an actual relationship. Like, what makes it succeed? What makes it fail? Like, how can it be different? How can we make it better for everyone involved? And so. I, you know, as far as like more specific topics, I am really interested in like how we incentivize people to apply and how we incentivize them to stay. How do you build trust in the workplace? Uh, Especially when like workplaces are often places where, you know, distrust reigns and how do you build psychological safety and how do you balance the needs of employees and employers and and their respective, you know, freedom to make decision for themselves and what's, uh, and what's best for them.
0: Kyle, as you talk to practitioners People within Mineral, kind of as you're out there assessing what's going on, what do you think is going to be the big issue for HR in the coming year?
2: I think grief is going to be the big issue. A lot of people have lost someone very close to them in the last year, year or so, uh, and not always due to COVID. Life and death continued, have continued to happen. You know, others have lost have lost jobs, and I know people who have lost friendships. And even if you haven't lost any of those, you've lost time. And I think in a very real way, we're all grieving. And I think as we move, I hope sooner rather than later, but I think as we move into kind of the the next stage of this pandemic and and try to get the pandemic either controlled or it's never going to be fully behind us, but to the point where we're we're back to like a new normal, so to speak, I think there's going to be pressure to really hit the ground running and perform and and maybe try to get back to some semblance of the way things were. And I would really caution employers to recognize that people are grieving. And I think when we get out of this transitional phase that we're in, it might feel like, okay, we can move now, but people are going to need time and people are going to be grieving in different ways and not even the same way every single day. And I think uh, employers have to be uh, prepared for that, and and I think I think HR is is well aware of this, and people are grieving now, and I know H and people are and, and grief just works so differently for different people too, and, and HR knows this, or people in HR know this. I mean, for some it's it's exhausting and it causes fatigue. For others, it really uh, clarifies, you know, what people want out of life. I almost think like some th- some of like what we're seeing now with the the so-called Great Resignation is just people deciding that things that they didn't like doing before, they're not going to do them. They're going to do what they want to do. And I think that's part of grief too. And I I don't want to reduce everything that's happening to that, but I think that is likely part of it. And I I suspect we'll see more of that uh, in the coming years. I think as people just kind of take stock of their lives and really look at what's important and what do they want to do with the time that's remaining to them.
1: I think you're onto something there, Kyle. And it's, you know, that's one of those topics we don't talk about and we try to maybe sweep under the rug or, um, you know, it makes us uncomfortable and we don't like to be uncomfortable. I I think you're onto something with that topic and being a little more aware that we're all going through something. And regardless of where we are, we have some sort of um, grieving process that, that needs to go through that. Along those same lines, you have been very open about sharing your own grief mentioned earlier, you lost a daughter, you've lost a young son in an accident. Um, And last year you wrote about that in, uh, in USA today. And uh, it was such a great article. It really, um, it moved me. And so just kind of want to know a little bit, what has other response been to that article? And what are you really hoping people take away from that specific article that you wrote?
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. Last year, our, um, our 14 year old son, Jonathan uh, suffered a fatal injury and yeah, it just, it, it shocked us. It, it just changed our, it changed our, our world. And uh, fortunately I was in the position where I could just drop everything and be with my kids, be with my wife, be with Jonathan. Uh, he, he was alive for two more days, but even, even after we found him, when we went to the, the nearby hospital, uh, they, you know, they let, they let us know they were going to transfer him to a children's hospital where he could get better care. But they told us like this is not going to have a happy ending. I didn't have to. I didn't have to worry about my job or loss of pay because uh, it just. I, I let my employer, my boss, and some of my colleagues know what happened and that I'd be out. I didn't know when I'd be back, and that was fine. And they 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 took care of it. And um, they had and have a generous uh, bereavement. Uh, leave policy. Uh, So I had just up to four weeks of paid time off where I just was able to take time. And as as in the weeks that kind of followed, followed all that in months, I was, you know, I was just reflecting on, you know, that the fact that I was able to take time to do that work that grief required of me. And I learned too pretty quickly just looking around that what I had was not the norm. Like in a lot of workplaces, like the the standard bereavement leaves like three days to a week. It's not always, it's not always paid. And I wanted to just, I wanted to write about that. I wanted to write about what I needed to, to heal in that time and to be functional and to make it clear. Like if I had had to go back to work, like right away, like I would not have been doing a good job. I would, I was not functional. And uh, it would not have built like a good employee-employer relationship. Um, so I'm very thankful that uh, I had the opportunity that I did. And I'm hopeful that, you know, those who read it, if they run a business that, and and they can do more. And I, I totally, and I mentioned in the piece and understand that, you know, there, there are financial constraints and, you know, not everyone can offer uh, lots of uh, lots of PTO, you know, but if there are things that, businesses can do to be more supportive or to give people more time, you know, I'm hoping they do those things. And I did hear from a lot of people, some who had a good amount of time that they were able to take the time they needed. And I heard from a lot of people that didn't, that had to go back to work right away. And they kind of shared their stories with me. And that was gut-wrenching too, because it was, it was very much like writing and getting a response to that and just talking openly about Jonathan and our loss on, on Twitter, I've just heard from so many people that have lost children that have lost close family and are often just, they're still, I mean, it's been a year and we're still grieving and there are days where I'm not at my best or fully functional and, and that's okay. And I'm, I'm glad to have a have a workplace and an employer and colleagues and, and a boss and they get that and are totally behind me and totally supportive. So I'm hoping, I mean, I, I don't, expect like radical change um right away but i i would love to see i would love to see just you know ample or adequate bereavement leave leave become kind of the expectation for businesses like yeah if you're running a business you know be supportive and do what you can and it will depend too on you know what your finances are and whether you can make the numbers work but do what you can and if you can do more do more because you're helping not only your employee but you're helping yourself too
0: Kyle as we talk about grief, and I, I appreciate you being so willing to talk about it with us. you talk to people over the last year, are you seeing organizations make changes trying to address this, or what has been the general consensus or feeling there?
2: I have not, but I haven't like spent a lot of time looking either. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard of company, but there may be. I'm actually very very eager to, to look that up now and, and to see like who's made, because I mean, it makes sense, particularly in light of what I had noted earlier that grief is such a shared common experience. Now it's something we're all affecting. And even if you can't like offer paid time off, I mean, I will say that I, one of the things too my employer did is hooked us up with a grief coach and yeah. uh, and paid for a bunch of sessions with her. And I know she has other clients. So there are, there are other workplaces that are doing really awesome Work here and, and being very helpful, uh, but as far as whether workplaces have changed uh, practices a lot within the last couple of years, I don't know. But I want to now. Yeah.
0: I guess maybe that's your assignment as we yeah. figure yeah. out <laughs> and Now we're going to figure out who is working in that space. Uh, one of the things that we've done this year, Kyle, is we've started to crowdsource, outsource some of our questions to guests. And in this case, previous guest Minda Hartz asked. What one song best describes you?
2: You know, if I mentioned Beethoven, that would just sound pretentious. So I'm gonna say <laughs> Looking Out by Brandy Carlisle. Probably a couple Avid Brothers songs that would that do the trick too, but Brandy Carlisle's Looking is the one that came to mind first. I'm gonna go with that one.
0: This was Beethoven the Composer, not not a song from the Beethoven movies. This
2: is correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah <laughs> if there was a, if there was a movie song, it'd probably be like the never ending story or something that was just instrumental for my childhood, you know?
1: And now I have to know what Beethoven piece of music would, would describe you.
2: Uh, it depends on my mood, you know, sometimes <laughs> I'm bump up a bomb and other times I'm much more pastoral. And... <laughs> oh.
0: well, with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by Humoriso. Humoriso is an award winning HR firm based in southern New Jersey and is a trusted provider of consultative human resources and personnel management services. Their resource specialists handle the areas of administration, compliance, training, recruitment, HR technology, strategy, and organizational development. With advanced degrees and accreditation from the Society for Human Resources Management and the Human Resources Certification Institute, Each associate possesses a strong knowledge base as well as a value for learning for which Humoriso is known. Humoriso will assess your business's employee relations philosophy and current strategies in order to better develop management communications and thereby design HR administration solutions best suited to fit your company's unique needs. To learn more about Humoriso and their team, visit Humoriso.com. Thanks again to Humoriso for sponsoring the HR Social Hour half hour podcast. And now back to the show.
1: And we are back. Kyle, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half-hour question connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child?
2: I wanted to be the first artist in space. Oh. Now, I don't know what I meant by that. I, I mean, I guess I <laughs> sort of like, maybe pictured myself painting in zero gravity, but I hadn't worked out all the logistics. But sure. I wanted to be an artist in space, and I wanted to be the first one. Yeah, I was an ambitious kid. I don't know what happened to that ambition, but.
0: <laughs> Kyle, you've mentioned art several times. So do you have a particular mode or so it's, you mentioned painting? Are you a painter or?
2: Yeah, not yeah. not really. My wife is an artist. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I did like I took a lot of art classes in high school and a lot of electives. And I did like drawing and some sculpture and some painting and some computer graphic type stuff. I could do some good things here and there, but like. I, I realized then like this is a skills gap for me. Like, and, and I just don't have that innate talent. So it's not something I've really ever pursued. It might, I mean, I might've been able to like get decent and and do it. But uh, once I kind of went down the writing path, that was really where my,
0: that's where your talent lies.
2: Yeah. That's where my talent lies. And that's where I <laughs> kind of focused to develop. And I have so much to learn too. When I wrote that essay as a sophomore, I mean, I I did not know the rules of grammar or punctuation or any of that. So, <laughs> I had to learn all that.
0: Who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know?
2: I've been following a lot of folks in the disability community. Uh, Rebecca Coakley is one of them. Uh, And I really recommend like people in the HR space, like check out people who are doing work in like disability rights, activism and advocacy, particularly as we're, you know, we're working to create more inclusive and equitable workplaces. Um, you know, hearing from people like Rebecca Coakley and, and others, I think, is very helpful for understanding, like, the experiences and struggles and obstacles that, you know, the people we're trying to include have faced. And I think we can, it will help us do a better job of, of being inclusive to understand those experiences and hear from people within that community.
1: Kyle, how do you maintain balance?
2: Oh, I'm way too lazy for that to be a problem. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. kid. <laughs> That's one of the
1: best answers I've heard.
2: (laughs) I have to force myself to work. Um, No, no. If my employer is listening, no. Um, So as a writer, I learned pretty quickly that while I want everything to be perfect, and while I know that I can spend two hours meticulously going through a paragraph to make sure I like every word and it flows just right, you can't do that and you can't justify spending that time and you just have to writing it just you get it to a point that it's good enough that it does the job you need it to do it does it well and that's an attitude i've had to learn to to take with my writing and i think it's just the attitude that i have with with work and life balance in general that i get my work done i do it well and, and i want to be clear like my standards for for quality are high but i don't feel like this great need to like put in the extra hours and extra hours and extra hours. If I've done what I need to do and it does the job that it needs to do. It's for me, it's like kind of that basic disposition or basic principle of do the work, make it good, make sure it does the job it needs to do and, and then call it a day. I like it.
0: Kyle, how do you enjoy giving back to your community?
2: There is a a local cemetery, Mount Union cemetery. It's where Jonathan's buried. It's where we'll be buried, we bought the two plots next to him, and it's volunteer run and it's very old and it's definitely like part of this small town's history and story and community and you know my wife and I felt very strongly of just giving our time and resources to helping maintain it and so we've brought a bench uh, for the for the cemetery there we've uh, gotten bulbs to plant, and we'll be helping to like clean clean gravestones and things, water and elbow grease, no no soap, don't want to use soap. Um, and just, you know, as things need, get needed, as things need to be done, you know, that's kind of just the space in our community that's important to our community where we really feel, I guess, called to spend our time and give our time and to regularly stop by both to visit Jonathan and also just to, to maintain and make it a beautiful place that has life and memory and and goodness to it.
1: Kyle, what's your favorite movie?
2: I'm going to go with Paddington 2, which is just magical. Yeah, yeah it's wow. not the best movie. It's not like the best movie. It's not the most ambitious movie, but I just, it is magical. I love everything about it. And it also like, you know, Paddington Bear, he's someone that sees the good or strives to see the good in everyone and can find it. And it personally, like, I probably err more on the cynical side. That's a hard skill for me. And so I really appreciate it that, you know, Paddington, as this character, does this. And I also really love that the movie, like, takes this disposition and, like, uses it. And through, through that disposition is looking at, at uh, you know, how we welcome immigrants into our neighborhood, how we treat prisoners, uh, how the criminal justice system works. It's it's actually, it's the movie's doing a lot of very interesting things. <laughs> With uh, it just kind of looking at like our our society and the decisions that we made about a lot of our you know our structures and and huh. individual decisions about like what our neighborhoods look like and who we welcome into our neighborhoods and there's a lot going on in that
0: movie, and it's great. I'm gonna have to check it out. How About the first concert you remember attending? <sighs> I'm gonna go with Billy Joel.
2: I think I've not attended a lot of concerts in my life, but I do remember going to see Billy Joel. I don't remember what album he was really. He had just released a new album, but I don't remember which one it was.
1: How about the last show you binge watched?
2: We just watched Watchmen on HBO. It's only one season. Does that count as binging? Yeah. Sure. I think so. Okay. We watched Veep before that. And that's got like a whole bunch of seasons.
0: <laughs> Kyle, I will wholeheartedly endorse Paddington 2 with you. I maintain it was the best movie made that year. Yeah. Uh, I think it's got the. The, the greatest song and dance number you'll ever see Hugh Grant do. <laughs> yep, I yeah. absolutely adore that movie. I, uh, I criminally underrated, and especially in the comedy podcast community, it gets a lot of love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so the people I'm fans of were really big fans of it. And I that just, yeah, I'm with you. Love yeah, it. absolutely delightful.
2: Yeah. And I can watch it. Surprisingly (laughs) so. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I love the first one and uh, I I adored that one too. But the, the second movie is just, it's, it's just something so special and I can watch it no matter what mood I'm in. Some movies like I really love, but like I have to be in the right space to watch it. But with Paddington too, happy or sad, angry, glad I can put it on and enjoy it and feel better about the world and everything. So.
0: What's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people?
2: You know, all of my hobbies are very on brand. I don't think any of them would surprise anyone. Um, you know, I like Legos and I like playing video games and doing dad stuff, you know. I was born in the late 70s, grew up in the 80s, the dawn of video games and cool toys and action figures and all that kind of stuff, so.
0: What's the video game of the of the month right now or what what are you playing or
2: Oh, what what am I playing? I um I just finished Bloodborne. And, and I just finished this game called Control, which was really fun. It's sort of this mixture of uh, X-Files and Twin Peaks, and you have like telekinetic power, so you can like rip concrete <laughs> out of the wall and throw wow. it and, and, and levitate. It's loads of fun.
1: Finally, Kyle, as you know, we are outsourcing. So if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be?
2: I think I'm going to give a philosophical question to that one. And um, the question is, what does freedom mean to you in the context of the workplace or in the context of work? What does it mean to be free at work or free while doing work or free while employing other people who are working?
0: I think that is definitely one of, if not the most philosophical question we've had to date. It is in the book. It will get asked very soon. Kyle, again, I I so much appreciate you being willing to spend some time with us to talk about some subjects that we don't necessarily get into here very often, and I appreciate you just being so willing and open and know that, like Wendy said, your writing has been very powerful for many of us over the last year, and I'm going to assume there may be some of the listeners that weren't connected with you prior that are going to want to get connected now. Best way for them to reach you out there, any and all methods, uh, how should they get in touch?
2: Uh, I hang out the most on Twitter, uh, Kyle Cup at Twitter, or uh, K-Y-L-E-C-U-P-P. And I do have my uh, USA Today piece on on the work of grief uh, pinned there. So if anyone's interested in reading it, there's an easy link there.
0: We will have that in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there.
1: Uh, Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And, of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice-monthly Twitter chat, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. How about you, John?
0: Once again, thanks to Humoriso for sponsoring this episode in the entire month of October. And as for me, johnthurman.com for all things John Thurman, for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, follow. Whatever platform you listen to the show on, just hit follow plus button a check button everything's a little different but click that button for follow and you'll get that new episode each and every week international listeners we'd love to talk to you best way is to get in touch with us so we can start that conversation we will make the time zones work we we do it all the time we did it with kyle's all the way uh on the other side of the country uh he did not do a pterodactyl Imitation for us, uh loss <laughs> or after other. Uh, maybe he'll do that after we get done recording, but you never know. But let's but please get in touch and we'd yep. love to love to talk further. So Kyle, again, appreciate being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John.
1: And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect.
0: Get back and network. network. Take care, everybody.
1: We'll see you soon.